Hi, everybody. Welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles, and today we're going to be speaking with some uh, recently licensed architects, folks who recently passed their exams, and we're going to kind of get into um, you know what their secrets were for passing, uh, the tricks that they, they kind of use. So this should be a really good one. Um, we do this uh, almost every quarter, um, so I'm excited you guys are going to probably learn a lot. Uh, before we get started, though, um, if you'd like to attend our next ARE Live broadcast, um, we're continuing our series of the, the three exams that are a part of the, the ARE 4 side of what we call the five exam plan. So you guys probably know that ARE 4 is expiring on uh, June 30th of 2018, so about seven months from now or so, maybe a little bit little bit more. Um, and uh, NCARB has come up with a uh, what they call sort of a five exam t uh, series that you can take where you can take three exams in ARE 4 and then two in ARE 5 and then you can be done. So it's actually the, the least amount of exams that you can take uh, to get licensed. Uh, and then and so what we've done over the last um, few months is we've gone through um, uh, CDNS and site planning, which are the other two. The third one is programming, planning, and practice. So we're going to do a mock exam re review on that. We're going to do it with Mike Newman. If you'd like, before we even get started right here, you can go straight to uh, our website. If you go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast, um, you can go ahead and register for that right now um, so you're in the queue and make sure that you'll you'll be notified of that uh, when we do that. It's going to be in early uh, December. And just like you know what we normally do, you'll have a chance to ask questions to the group and to Mike and so forth. Um, also, before we get started, just a heads up. Um, uh, we're working on, as you guys probably know, we recently launched practice exams for ARE 5.0, uh, which we're super excited about. Um, those are designed to sort of uh, as closely as possible replicate the experience of taking the real exam. It really looks like the real thing. Um, and in addition to that, on November 22nd, so in about two weeks from now, uh, we're going to be launching flashcards. Um, so we have a whole series of questions that are going to go along with that. It'll be an online flashcard tool. Um, you can review any of our questions. You can create your own questions, the whole bit. So that comes out 20, uh, November 22nd, which is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, as we normally do, today we'll have a special discount on Black Spectacles individual membership. So make sure you keep your eyes open for that. Um, and as we normally do, we'll be taking questions using the GoToWebinar question box, which is good to see many of you guys already using, um, as well as on Twitter using the ARE Live podcast hashtag. Um, I'm really excited. We have a really awesome group here. We have four recently licensed architects um, from all over the country um, who are going to tell us a little bit about their approach. So let me introduce them uh, for you. The first person we have is Ivan Agaro who's a designer at Merge uh, in Boston. Uh, so welcome, Ivan. I'm pausing. You can say hi, Ivan. <laughs> hey, thanks. Hey, Didn't know if the chiming or not. Yeah, yeah, you guys are all welcome too. Uh, we also have uh, Stephanie Morales, who's an architect at DLR Group in Denver. How are you, Stephanie? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Um, we also have Ann Phillips, uh, designer at Quinn Evans Architects um, in Detroit. Hi, Ann. Hello. And um, lastly, but not least, we have Jason Golub, who is an associate principal at Antunovich and Associates here in Chicago. Jason, how are you? Good. Hello, awesome. everyone. Yeah. So as I said, we have a really great panel here for you. Um, I'm going to jump right in and get started here. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Stephanie. Um, let's talk a little bit about your exam timing schedule. Um, how did you go about... 
scheduling the exams and buying the exams? Yeah, so I took um, all of my exams in ARE 4.0. So I think the hardest part is to schedule that first exam. So I really just let myself start studying until I felt comfortable with the material. And then I would schedule my exam about two weeks before I was ready to take it. And I scheduled them as I went. Okay, so you sort of studied first and then you and then you yeah. scheduled them. All right, uh, good. Uh, Anne, how about you? I did not do anything close to that, which is funny. Um, I, I, I scheduled the exam and forced myself to study yeah. um, beforehand. So I actually would schedule my exam, my next exam, the night before I took the next exam. Um, oh, awesome. So that I held myself accountable, regardless of if I passed or failed. Okay, that's great. Um, Ivan, how about you? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of similar to Anne, I'm probably with one exception. I actually scheduled um, four at once, um, basically to put extra pressure on myself, and I kind of spaced them out. Um, I don't know, I gave myself like two months in between or something, um, and from that I was just like, okay, I have to study, keep studying, and kind of knock them out. Um, that was my approach. All right. Beautiful. Um, Jason, how about you? Jason, I've got you muted. Uh, how about you? Oh, we might have lost you. I see it says maybe offline. So um, maybe we lost you there, Jason. Um, if you come back, uh, please. If you come back, please let us know. Um, uh, I'll have Clay maybe give you a call uh, and, and we'll, we'll try to get you back online here. Um, so in the meantime, let me just talk this through a little bit. So let's see here. Stephanie, you studied first, then you scheduled them. The other folks um, scheduled them first. Um, I guess what's my question here? Um, um, Stephanie, why did, why did you, um, I'm gonna ask, I'm not just gonna pick on you, I'm gonna ask these guys a similar <laughs> question. Um, why did you study first? So in the beginning, um, I felt it was difficult to really figure out what that magic study time was before taking the test, how long it would take to prepare. So studying first kind of gave me the confidence to schedule that test to know when I was ready. And then once I probably got through my third exam, um, I knew I could pick up the pace and then I started testing once a month. So I'd study for two weeks, know I was you know, comfortable enough to go ahead and set that test date, study for two more weeks, and then go take my exam. Got it. Ann and uh, Ivan, um, um, I don't know, uh, you guys are aggressive. What's going on? You guys just trying to just destroy the exam? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my strategy was to just kind of knock them. So I, I took all my exams in 4.0 as well. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, like I wanted to schedule all seven of them at once, but then we had like these huge projects at work and I was like, okay, I probably won't realistically be able to do them all and like complete all my project work. But what also um, made it a lot easier was the firm that I was at had like this really cool deal where if you pass, we pay. Mm. So that's also a huge incentive. It's like, let's knock out as many of these as possible. 
you know, all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a bit naturally aggressive when it comes to academics and exams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I turned 30 and decided by 31 I wanted to be licensed. Or 32 was my goal. And I, 32 was my goal, and I got, I was licensed at 31 and one month. So um, I took an exam every six weeks, and I just kept plowing through whether I passed or failed. Mm -hmm. Um, It was... I personally am the type of person who will put something off and put something off and put something off until my feet are to the fire and I have to cough up money to a commitment and then I will commit. So, yeah. Hey, Jason, we may have you back. Um, Jason, um, uh, are you there? Maybe. Oh, I see you still. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, something happened. I kicked me off. No worries, man. Um, so tell me, um, I'd like to know, talk about your exam timing schedule. How'd you, how did you schedule the exams for yourself? Uh, it was a combination of the first two uh, methods. I studied first for maybe the first two exams and then would schedule them um, maybe two weeks out when I got comfortable with the material. Um, and then I was a little ambitious and would start scheduling more and more exams, you know, maybe four or five weeks out from each other. And what I ended up doing, uh, unfortunately, was I would freak myself out, get a little anxious and reschedule the exams uh, maybe for another week or two. So I was just spending extra money for no reason. So I wouldn't suggest doing that. That's great advice. All right, cool. So I think here for me, this is sort of the takeaway. If you're listening to this, uh, these stories, these four different stories, I think what's kind of cool is you have the entire gamut, right, of people kind of, um, you know, proceeding carefully, studying first, and then scheduling, and then sometimes even rescheduling. Um, and then you have folks who are um, scheduling all of them at once. So I feel like if, you know, the takeaway here is all four of these folks passed. Uh, and so if you're thinking about gee, what, you know, I could never schedule all of them first, or I would never get a study for them first. I think, um, the idea is that, you know, a lot of different ways can work. Um, Stephanie and Jason, maybe Jason first, uh, just remind me what, what version of the exam did you take? You probably took ARI four, I think, right? Yeah, that's correct. Four. And then Stephanie, how about you? I also took 4.0. 4.0. All right. So we have a bunch of 4.0 folks here. Um, so it's good for everyone else to know as we move along here. Um, so thinking about, uh, and maybe uh, Ivan, I'll start with you here. Um, uh, talk about what held you back from taking the exams at a faster pace. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first couple, like I said, like I, I kind of banged them out and passed them first go around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I just had way too much going on like I started a nonprofit at basically life going on so um that got crazy but then um like you know Mark like I I found out that I was going to be having a kid and that was like the most incredible incentive ever to like finish your exams because once you have a baby like you have no time to do anything anymore so um basically there was like a two-year gap in between the first four and the last three um, where I was just like stuck on project work and there was just no time to study. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. I know <laughs> having that baby is a huge incentive to get moving. Um, Stephanie, how about you? 
what held you back from taking the exams faster? Yeah. So one thing I did once I got going was really hold myself to the one test per month schedule. But I would say in the beginning, it was a little bit difficult. Uh, I started my exams in September and took the first one in October. And then shortly after October comes all the holidays. So for me, it was a struggle between family time and study time and traveling to see family. So uh, that was probably the biggest glitch for me was starting so near the holidays. Uh, In hindsight, you know, maybe starting in January would have been good and then just plow straight through. Yeah, so sort of watch out for the holidays. Um, Okay, Uh, Anne? Uh, Yeah, so I am friends and peers and colleagues with Charlie Kletcher, who's somewhat known for taking and passing his seven exams in seven days. Um, And so that's that's the bar that I knew and was associated with. And so I felt like a bit of a slacker, the fact that I could only do one a month. and struggled to make that happen. Um, so re- in reality, the, the reason I didn't take them faster was just my sanity. And uh, I, I, I learned after the first exam, I studied for six weeks um, and failed it. And at that point, I knew that I had too tight of a grip on the whole process. So I, um, I just, I had to have a loose hold in general for the for the entire process so what do you mean by that i don't know what you mean a loose hold what do you mean like um that first exam there was just so much wrapped up in it and i think the whole process in general i think what prevents a lot of people from studying and ultimately passing is the fear of failure Mm -hmm. um and that's ultimately what drives people to make the decisions they do and so after taking and failing my first exam which was cds and i was also in 4.0 um, I realized that I couldn't dedicate that much time and energy to fail an exam. Hmm. So the fact that I then planned on failure instead of passing, which is somewhat dismal, but um, that was, if I planned on failing, I wasn't disappointed and I didn't question every decision I've ever made in my life as to if I'm on the right path or not. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess what I mean by having a looser hold in the beginning, this whole process is just such a serious, it's taken so seriously. And when you fail, it's embarrassing. And I'm, I'm just trying to remove the stigma around um, the, the form, like the, the tension around it, I guess. And just to not have such a death grip on the process and yeah. have so much of your identity based in the fact that you pass or fail yeah. the exams. So that's what I mean by having a looser hold. Just yeah, that's super interesting. I think you're right. I think a lot of folks, um, you know, myself included, right, um, um, find that to be an impediment. Um, Mike says something interesting, often, which is um, you don't have to tell anyone if you passed or failed, um, uh-huh. right? So that's one one thing to kind of think about for everyone out there. And then also. Um, uh, he always sort of suggests, you know, if, if when he's talking with a group of, of architects, he always says, hey, if you guys were a, a group of MBA students and you had to pass these exams, I bet half of you guys would, would go ahead and, and take these exams and not tell anyone and not even study, just go take them all, um, knowing that just based on the laws of probability, you'd probably pass, you know, you know, 30 or 50 percent of them or something like that and never have to study for those, those guys at all. 
um, which I think is a, it's just a good good exercise because as you as you say, you know, Anne, sometimes us as architects, I mean, our job is is in many ways to be perfect, uh, so mm-hmm. it's kind of a uh, uh, it's kind of tricky to 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 step back and say like, well, whatever, you know, if I don't pass this, you know, we'll just take it again. Um, yep. All right, Jason. Yeah, the uh, psychology. Go ahead, Ivan. Sorry. Well, the psychology of it all is really interesting. Um, uh, one of the things that I did to kind of deal with like the fear of failure is that like it's just not freeze up, you know. Like you have to take them regardless, you know. And so just kind of you know study and take them. I had this friend um, in undergrad that was like sort of notorious for being like a party animal, mm-hmm. um, but he was in like petroleum engineering and had a 4.0. And he'd ask him, like, do how do you do this? And he would just say, just study and take the exam. Like, <laughs> don't think about, mm-hmm. like, don't think about it too much because, like, we're our own worst enemies, you know? And I guarantee you, like, some of the people that we look up to the most have, like, failed something in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just have to get over that stigma, you know? Because you're going to fail something at some point, you know? This is this is just like a reading comprehension test, so no biggie. Just take them. That's awesome. I love it. Jason, how about you? If I could add to that. Oh, go ahead, Seventy. Yeah, sure. Oh, I was just going to say, like, uh, something I always tried to walk away from the test because you always have the idea in your mind. Did I pass? Did I fail? You can kind of lean towards one or the other. But uh, what I always tried to take away at the end was what did I learn from this test, no matter what the results come out as. And, uh, you know, as soon as I would get out of the testing center, get back to my car, I would just try to get that down on paper. What did I learn or how do I feel this came out? That way, you know, if you're if you did come out, and you failed the test, you can turn that into that learning experience because you've seen the material once now, you've been through the whole process. So just take that and turn it into a positive moving forward. You can go confidently into your second retake. Yeah, that's great. I think that's really awesome. Jason, how about you? What are your thoughts here? Um, so when I took the exams, I know it's a little different now. I think there's some um, grading or uh, some acknowledgement of your pass or fail within a couple of days. Now, when I took the exams, we had to wait for a letter to come in the mail, which sometimes took six, seven weeks. Um, so I would wait until I got that pass or fail letter. Um, if I passed, I used that as moment, momentum going into the next, next exam. If I failed, I kind of, what Stephanie was just saying, I kind of regrouped. I learned from it. I, I kind of reflected on what I think I might've um, overthought or, something like that. Um, so it, it was more take one exam, wait for the letter, take my time, pace myself. Um, I wasn't, I, I set a goal of finishing everything in about a year and a half and I hit that goal. I was, I felt that was more realistic than doing one every six or seven months or one every month for six or seven months, you know, long. Um, so that was kind of my game plan. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's an interesting point about setting a goal. Um, I certainly know some folks um, uh, in my universe um, who they just never really set a goal for themselves. Um, and that uh, that was something that really kind of, because they didn't really have a goal, it was like, well, I don't know. I'll take it whenever I kind of get to it. And then life kind of gets in the way and, and that kind of thing. Uh, can you guys, anyone in particular, comment on that idea of setting a goal? I think that's 
what have we heard already? Uh, Jason, you've talked about setting a goal of one and a half years. Yeah, I can add a little bit more to that yeah, if please you want. Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, you know, living here in Chicago, Mark, you know, um, the winters are horrible and the summers are wonderful. So yeah. I kind of planned out my test taking thinking, okay, the summer, the wonderful months of June, July, August, September, I'm going to party and I'm not going to take tests. I'm not going to study. I'm going to hang out with my friends. So, you know, just setting kind of a timeline between, you know, 12 or 18 months really helped me figure out, you know, all those things with, uh, you know, potentially having a kid or getting a new job or, you know, when I took the exams, it was right at the recession. So people were getting let go and there was that fear of how am I going to even pay for the test? So, um, just having some sort of game plan definitely helps, um, in the long run. Anyone else have any comments here? Ivan? Yeah, my game plan started a long time ago. Like when I was like nine years old, I was like, I'm gonna be an architect by the time I'm 35. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, when you start to see 35, like bend in the corner, you're like, oh, okay, I need to take these exams. Yeah. Um, it's kind of similar to what Anne said, like she said, she wanted to do it before 31. I mean, father time will get you going, so. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Good deal. Well, unless anyone has anything else to comment there, I'm going to move on to the next question here. Um, So it sounds like all of you have taken ARE 4.0. Certainly many of you listening in um, will, you know, have to have a showdown with the vignettes. Um, There's a question about the software, um, you know, learning the software, figuring out how to, you know, navigate all the rules and regulations and, and data points you have to kind of consider. Um, Stephanie, maybe I'll start with you here. Um, how did you handle, um, what was your approach to managing all that information and making sure you kind of got it right? And uh, how did you also handle the uh, sort of the software? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing for vignettes is just practice, practice, practice. The software itself is, um, well, outdated in its own way and so just you know the fact that when you move your mouse it's not necessarily going to follow at the same speeds you're not drawing what you always think you are so if you can sort of learn the glitches of the system that's number one and then uh, I would say it's just it's on top of the practice it's good to watch the videos that NCARB puts out and they help explain you know what is a fatal error versus what small errors can you add up and you'll still pass the uh, vignette so really understanding what NCARB is looking for that way when you start to go through if you're running low on time it's like oh if I don't put this light in or this return air vent in I'm still going to be okay as long as I finish everything else on time or if it's like I have got to focus on this I have five minutes left and I know if I don't finish a certain aspect I'm not going to pass the vignette so knowing where you stand um, based on the information that NCARB is providing Mm -hmm. okay Um, Jason how about you so I, um, when I took the exams, I failed three of them, and those three were all due to the vignettes. So the vignettes were my worst enemy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, one suggestion I would say is take your time. Um, you got to breathe and just take your time. I always made a checklist of 10 or 15 items that were the key points in each NCARB tutorial for the vignettes, whether it was the stairs or the roof plan or whatever, you know, making sure the roof drains were in 
things like that, just like key, you know, a handful or so of key components that I needed to make sure, like Stephanie said, that were in that weren't fatal errors. And that really helped uh, guide me through the process. Okay. And how about you? I'm in the same boat as Jason with this. I filled three exams and they were all because of the vignette. And I still, till I passed my last exam in April, I, the vignettes were, I never felt good about. I never, I never learned how to learn the program. I never, it, it really was just holding my breath and hoping I did it okay. For me, it was overanalyzing and the fact that the program is so, I looked it up at some point, the program was designed in 1994, just a fun little factoid for everybody out there. But um, I couldn't, my level of detail and what I'm, what we're all used to using in the real world is not at all applicable to this software. And that was a really hard shift for my brain to make. And one that ultimately I don't, I got better at it just because of practice, but it's still, the vignettes were still the thing that made me sweat, literally sweat in the, the in the test center. Um, and yeah, for me, it was just, I overanalyzed and I couldn't, I couldn't make my brain undo the, the level of perfection that we're, that is available to us today. All right, so remember it's not the real world and make sure you bring a sweatband. Is that? Yeah, okay. exactly. Those are yeah. the ideas here. All right, good. Hey, Ivan, what about you? Yeah, I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum here. I mean, I did fail one exam, and it was because of the vignette, and I can explain what that was. That was basically performance anxiety. Um, I got to the end, and I was, this was exam number seven, and I was like, oh, my God, one hour left, and I'm going to be licensed. And I choked. Um, but for me, the vignettes, I think – I mean, I'm going to sound bad here, but I think they're designed for you to pass them. Like, it's – it takes away you don't have to know any technology you don't have to know anything special and they give you all the instructions so if you just like reading comprehension read the instructions and be super anal about what they asked you for and just write down like a checklist of what they asked you for you can probably finish all the vignettes in probably half the time that they ask you to do it in and then spend the rest of the time basically going through like like uh, like an auditor or an accountant would and check every line of the instructions against what you've drawn. Like, don't freak out. Don't try to start, never try to start over, right? Um, and like, it's not the real world. Don't try to design. So for example, like in schematic design, don't try to design it, just follow the rules. Um, likewise in structure, structures, you have like your rules of thumb for like all your spans and everything, just follow the rules, you know? and and. And it's also about ritual. So um, I think Stephanie mentioned like practicing. Download the software and practice. It's you're not solving the vignette. You're practicing a set of steps that you're going to execute because the question is going to change on the exam. But what you're really trying to get into is the ritual of, okay, I'm going to draw my beams first, and then I'm going to draw my columns to make sure the beams go down, and then I'm going to draw the joists on top of that, and then I'm going to draw the decking, and then I'm going to follow the instructions and make sure I haven't put any columns in any rooms that say they shouldn't have columns in them. But it's a ritual so by the time you're sitting there and you have an hour to do it your body and your mind are so like in tune with what you need to do to pass the exam it's second nature 
And Ivan, I'd like to add on to how you said you really are just following the instructions. A huge part of that is it's not going to look pretty. It's not meant to look pretty. And no one else is going to see what you put together because if you try to think about it in the design mindset of like, oh, this tree should never go here. You know, why would I put these rooms in this configuration? That's you really you have to overcome that designer mindset and just follow those instructions. Yeah, I think that's all really good advice. Um, ugly design is okay, um, which of course um, is, uh, uh, is un- probably makes lots of us uncomfortable. But um, I like that, that read, the, read the instructions, make a checklist, be like an accountant, be 100% sure you check them all. I think that's a great – That's I'm remembering that's kind of how I was thinking about it too. Um, and that idea, it's interesting, create a ritual, create a process for yourself um, so that you kind of know what you're going to do. I think that's awesome. Um, and then, of course, practice the software. Um, it's now been said many times. So for those of you who don't uh, – who don't uh, uh, or aren't aware – uh, as we've said a couple of times now, NCARB offers um, practice software that you can gain access to through your NCARB account. Um, and uh, and it, it offers basically one practice problem for each of the, uh, uh, each of the vignettes. Uh, does that square with everything you guys know? It's, it's just one for each one, one uh, practice problem for each one, right? That's right. There are some forums yeah. that'll let you download extra stuff. Mm. You kind of have to know your way around to like put the files in the right spot so that your computer will read it. Like that's mm-hmm. if you download it. NCARB also has like an online version through VPN to some mm-hmm. computers that they have somewhere, some yeah. sort of server. Okay, cool. Uh, does anyone have anything else to say on the vignettes? I think this is a good one. Um, and I know many of you guys are talking uh, in our question um, question box here are asking about ARE 5.0. Obviously, this one is specific to 4.0, but as we move along here, these other issues are going to be specific to other parts of the exam. So uh, we promise we won't uh, just be focused on uh, on 4.0 stuff here. So let's go to the next one. Um, So this is a perfect one that does kind of cross all the different exams. We hear a lot folks saying that uh, they find themselves where they're struggling to pick between two answers Gee, they sound, uh, they sure sound alike. Um, and they're not really sure, um, they're not really sure what to do uh, when they have those, those two answers. Um, and I'm going to start with you here. Uh, when you're struggling to, to pick between two answers, what's your, what's your best strategy for picking the, the right answer? Um, this was the one question in the lineup that I struggled with, um, okay. oddly enough. I always just go with my gut and answer what is first. I just use my intuition and then I go back and I would go through the questions through these different rounds where my first round would be the, the no brainers. The second round would be the, I have, you know, across the spectrum, the last round being, I have no idea about any of these. So I'm just going to pick. And that really, that was it. I don't have a necessarily a strategy Mm -hmm. or a, a guide. Okay. Ivan, how about you? Um, my strategy with test taking is to know the rules. Um, this isn't the LSAT, you know, where you get penalized for answering the wrong thing, you know, and, and your exam gets progressively easier or harder, depending on how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's the ARE. So if, if there's some sort of ambiguous choice, um, 
first thing I do is if, if it's not a quantitative question, it's qualitative, lean on my experience. Like what things, if you know, if you're younger and taking the exam, what have I heard around the office? What are the old guys saying around me? And, you know, usually that'll get you by. And then if all else fails, like never leave it out, T like take a stab at it because you're not going to get penalized. Um, so just pick something. All right. I think that's good. Um, Stephanie, how about you? Yeah, this was something I really uh, focused on studying. So I had the uh, practice question and answer uh, booklets specific to each test that I used while studying. And I would go through those and, um, you know, it, even in the practice, I'd come across, gosh, is it A or is it D? Mm -hmm. And so I would just kind of flag that. And when I would go through and check the answers, if it was D and I was kind of going between A and D, I would really try to understand why did I think it was the other one and how should I know, you know, that it should have been D and really understand that answer. So this was, um, for me, one of the focus parts for studying because I knew that when you're in that testing center, you see the time clock ticking down. You can't really sit there and think it through. Like you have to keep moving. So uh, flagging it in the test center and then just studying through that was sort of my strategy. Okay. Um, so just to say that back to you, make sure okay. I'm understanding it. Yeah. Well, hold on one, one, one moment, if I may, just because I'm understanding. So you would flag it, um, meaning that you wouldn't answer it. You would sort of, you'd wait um, or you would answer it and then you would come back after you flagged it to review it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. I would go ahead and answer it. Um, like Anne said, with that initial gut feeling. And then if there was time at the end in the testing center, I would come back and check it. Uh, but also during my studying, I would flag it. That way, when I could check the answer, That's I could good. see, you know, did I check that right with the initial gut check or did I go back and forth too many times? Yeah, that's great. Okay, Ivan, uh, you had a comment there. Yeah, I think that's like a really cool strategy. It's similar to what I did. Um, actually, like in the, in the multiple choice sections for all my exams, I just kind of went through it one good time, like ignoring like the clock and everything, just like bang them out as many as you can and flag for later everything else. Because what I found um, was that sometimes they screw up and they give you the answer later. So it might be like number 85 and it's related. Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my God, let me go back. And then you kind of like, I mean, who knows if I got them right or not, but I definitely know that sometimes the answer was like later in the exam in a related question. So just kind of keep your eye out for those and flagging things is a really good strategy, especially if you just get the ones that you know out of the way, then you have time to check the rest later. That's really good. Um, and yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I liked what you said earlier about, you know, you don't, um, you don't gain anything by not answering a question, so you definitely at least want to make sure you answer and to at least take a guess on everything, for sure. Jason, um, what are your uh, what's your strategy here for selecting the best of two uh, similar answers? Yeah, definitely the same as Stephanie. Um, definitely flagged it and uh, took my best guess, flagged it and came back to it later. I definitely agree with Ivan. Um, I would always run into instances on each of the exams where a either intentionally or mistakenly gave me the answer for you know, 20, qu 20 questions later on. Um, so I would always go back and find that I can accurately, I think, 
I don't know for sure, but accurately answer those questions that I was doubtful on. Okay. Yeah, I think this is good. Uh, sometimes the later questions have answers to previous previous ones. All right, beautiful. Let's move to the next one here, guys. Um, so I think uh, on this question here, we'll start with you, um, Jason. Um, where and when, uh, the question I really want to get into is about making time to study. I feel like that's uh, the hardest question here um, for us architects who are working a ton. Um, how did you make time? Did you do it at work? Did you do it at home? Did you do your commute? Talk us through um, allocating time to study. Sure. Um, for the most part, I studied on my commute, so maybe 45 minutes in the morning on the way to work, um, whether it was on the train or a bus or um, you know, in a taxi, whatever it was. Um, and I would definitely study for an hour straight at lunch. I would bring my lunch from home every day. I wouldn't go out with people uh, um, from the office. I would definitely take that hour uh, and use it to my benefit when things were quieter in the office or you know, schedule a conference room just to hide away in. Um, and then I would try and study on my commute on the way home. Um, that would give me more time at home to relax, eat dinner, kind of not think about things. So I was trying to get in, you know, an average of two to three hours a day, which was enough for me. It's funny. Um, and it would also leave a little bit of time on the weekends to not focus on studying. Hmm. So then you kept your weekends free. All right, that's good. You're making me salivate because I'm remembering the breakfast place where I used to study uh, in the mornings. They had the best uh, sausage sandwich. I would always get it, and they had really good coffee. Um, and uh, that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> um, Ivan, what about you? Yeah, um, I stuck with my childhood ritual. Um, so uh, for me, like studying, and every the most important thing is to know yourself. Like, don't make a study um, regimen that doesn't fit your personality and your likes. Um, I need peace and quiet to study. Um, I'm not a morning person. I'm a night owl. But ever since I was a kid, like I would wake up at 5:30 in the morning to study. So I did that. I woke up every morning at 5:30 and studied for two hours before going to work. So I'd study from 5:30 to 7:30. And then I get ready for work and then I leave and go to work. Um, and I basically kept that ritual going. Um, and on the weekends, I would do practice exams. Uh, so all day on Saturday, I would basically do a practice exam um, or as many. Um, so on the quantitative uh, exams, basically I did as many practice problems as I could because, again, it's just like the repetition will help you solve them without thinking about them. Um, and then once I had like gotten to a certain point where I was passing enough of the questions on the practice, practice exam, I was like, all right, I'm not going to study anymore. I'm just going to take it. Oh, and the day before the exam, well, since we had like time off from work, if you had an exam, I just take that day off and then basically like play video games all day <laughs> to like relax mm -hmm. before going in. Awesome. Uh, and how about you? Um, so I, when I started, I was part of a study group with a firm that wasn't my own. I, I joined a study group. Our firm here in Detroit is the Detroit office was too small to start a study group. So I joined another firm's 
group and we all scheduled our first exam at the same time and on the same day and we studied together, um, we all failed it. And then we moved on to the next test, which was PPP, and I passed it, everyone else failed it. And so then at that point, I had to diverge from the group because we weren't studying at the same pace any longer. And actually that's ultimately what what I ended up studying for the majority was just by myself at home. I would um, get home every night by seven or 7.30 and I would read from 7.30 to 10. And um, then I didn't really do much on weekends until the weekend. I would always schedule my exam on a Monday and I would just cram which I know is not everybody's test style, but that's that's the way that I I work. And I would do um, two 12-hour days, essentially, of studying the weekend before my Monday exam. And it was terrible, but I it happened, and I did it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you did a uh, two-day cram session. Yep before okay Mm -hmm. beautiful it's so cool uh you guys have it's awesome what what a great mix here stephanie how about yourself yeah i'd say so during the week i definitely used ivan's method and uh woke up early got the studying done while i was fresh before work but uh i also studied pretty heavily on the weekends and uh when it got to be just too much when you're constantly studying at home, you know, it starts to get kind of boring. I would look for creative ways to take my studying with me. And uh, one of my favorite ways was I would take my tent and study materials to the lake, set my tent up, study inside because there were no bugs. You didn't have to worry about when the wind blew. And then, you know, take an hour break, go enjoy the lake and then come back and study. So that way you got to be outside, enjoy the fresh air, but still get your studying done. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. I guess in Chicago we could build a little igloo or something like that. Um, <laughs> Jason, is that what we should? I don't know. Maybe something like that. <laughs> um, all right. Good deal, guys. Um, so again, quite a, quite a range. And I think that's what's so cool about this session is here are four people who studied, I'm sorry, who passed. They're licensed and they totally different, did it in different ways. So again, I think the, the idea here, right, is a lot of people are looking for the way, like what is the way to do it? And the answer, I think, in a lot of cases is, you know, Ivan, as you said, and others, um, know yourself um, and what's the best way for you to do it um, and relax about being different than others. Um, um, if you've got an awesome idea, like taking the tent to the lake, go do it. Um, in fact, I, I know that I had someone who passed. In fact, I think she may have taken or she may have participated in a previous one. She went camping, I think, um, and she would study while she was camping, which... Uh, sounds kind of awesome so maybe maybe the moral here is to take make uh make studying kind of awesome if you can um number six here um i think what's interesting i'd like to find out um ivan i'm going to go through each one of these ivan um how many well we'll go through we'll do it one at a time i suppose um as you guys all know now with uh the revisions that ncarb has made to the exam you can take the exam right after graduation. First of all, can each of you answer as we go along here, um, how quickly after graduating did you take the exam? And then what are your general, your general thoughts? So Ivan, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, 
I think I started taking exams like three years after I got out of school. Um, my thoughts on actually taking them right away, um, I think you should take like certain ones right away. And I don't even know if this is still applicable for 5.0, but with 4.0, like, like I would have taken structures immediately. I should have taken it immediately after graduating, like kind of getting back into the swing of things with something like that. Um, if you're not doing it every day, you kind of forget it all, even though like, you know, you're really good at it in school or whatever, like you will forget it because you don't do it every day. Mm -hmm. um, but then there are others that, you know, like I feel like having that three-year buffer um, in addition to like other internships and everything, like again, like being able to like dig into your mind and say, oh, what did this guy say at the office when we were dealing with this issue about foundations? Like having that experience to lean on is really good. Um, I think what I've seen um, around me, and there are some people that are exceptions, but what I have seen is that people that give themselves some time to like get exposure to a lot of situations, mm -hmm. like don't end up, you know, failing as many, um, you know, sort of because they have like, a, you know, what they learned from the books, but they also have what they learned from like just being saturated with like knowledge from the people around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anne, how about you? Uh, so I graduated from graduate school in 2014, and I took my first exam in 2016. Um, so a couple years, but mm -hmm. before I, I, I was not uh, dedicated or really even, I didn't know if I wanted to get licensed. I, I still don't know that architecture is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it was just, it was after I graduated that I realized the region that I moved to, um, a license, and being a female, unfortunately, um, having your license is just, it's another quill in your hat or whatever the saying is, mm -hmm. um, another tool in the toolbox. So I just, I said, all right, well, this is the next goal I need to accomplish and um, in terms of taking the exam right after graduation, I think it's great. I wouldn't, I personally would not have done it, but that's just because, like I said, I, I'm unlike Ivan, I, I didn't know that architecture is what I wanted to do since I was nine years old. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally would not have taken it after graduation, but I think for those who are, um, who are ready and chomping at the bit to do it, I think it's, it's good that, that it's available. Okay, so maybe maybe the key takeaway here is in your experience is to be sure that architecture is really for you um, before you commit to taking it. Is that is that a good summary? No, I and I don't even think it's that because I, I don't feel like just because I have my license now I'm married to this profession. Like it's it's literally just a um, a set of letters in my mind. It it i'm not any better or worse of a person out in the world in the way i interact with people whether i'm licensed or not mm -hmm. so it, yeah. i don't think i don't think you need to know whether it's what you want to do i think it's just a matter of committing to this is like i have a goal i have my ultimate the, the goals i want to achieve in my life and right now architecture is the vehicle to get there uh -huh. but i don't i'm not convinced that architecture will always be the vehicle 
if that makes sense. Okay. So just be clear with yourself about what your what you're really yeah. what your right. what your motivations truly are. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Stephanie, how about you? Yeah, so I started taking my exams um, four months after I graduated, actually. Okay. And uh, one of the biggest perks I would say with this is uh, when you start out after graduation, you definitely have one of the lighter workloads in the office because you are new and you're still, you know, learning the firm standards and how everything is done. So for me, that was a really great advantage and uh, all of the projects I was on when we would have upcoming deadlines, they were um, very understanding. They wanted to know when my tests were and um, you know, you're know, you not expected to be the one staying late working on those deadlines if they know you also have a test coming up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say another benefit is that you're kind of still got that study mode in you from being, you know, recently graduating. So it's not the hardest thing to sit down and study for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So four months after school, you, you got in and, um, yeah, that's interesting that you're, you have some more flexibility with your workload. I think that's good. Good observation. Jason, how about yourself? Jason, there you go. Are you good? You there? Maybe. I see that Jason, you were unmuted for a moment. Um, maybe we'll come back to you uh, on this one here. Um, so Anne, um, if you were able to kind of back up a little bit um, and just talk a little bit about preparing for the exams, what what would you what would your advice be in general for preparing for the exams? Uh I don't mean this to come off um, poorly, but don't take it so seriously and don't take yourself so seriously. It, it's just a process and um, it, it's, not, it's not a life or death situation, I guess. Yeah, I like that a lot. Don't take it so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Ivan, uh -huh. how about you? Did you say Ivan? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. You have to say my name three times like Beetlejuice. Um, <laughs> so basically I would say, I mean, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. I think it's, it's super important for our profession that, um, you know, especially women and minorities like just go on and take the exam um, because there are far too many licensed professionals that are that fall in, into that demographic and mm -hmm. you know we do shape like our country and we have a huge influence on sort of the world that people occupy every day and mm -hmm. i think like our cultural backgrounds actually improve um sort of the the diversity of the profession so get licensed if you fall into those groups and everyone should but that's just my personal statement yeah. um and then you know, everyone else, I, I think I can kind of echo what Anne says, like, it, it literally is a reading comprehension exam. Like, if you can read and understand what they're asking you, and pick a, like, click a button, you can pass. This has nothing to do with how good you are as a designer, it has nothing to do with how good, like, you're thinking, or it doesn't matter where you went to school, it literally just matters that you can read a question and pick the right answer. It's not hard. Sign up for them and do them. It's not a big deal. 
Awesome. Uh, all right, so this is a reading comprehension test. It's not hard. All right, Stephanie, how about you? I would definitely echo, you know, exactly what Ann and Ivan are saying, and, and it's sort of been a common theme throughout this whole podcast is it's sort of the psychology behind it. Don't uh, get yourself all wound up like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to become a licensed architect. It's like, nope, you're just going in to take this test. You made it through college. You can make it through these tests. Uh, you know, just going through the testing center process, getting checked in, getting to your assigned computer and everything, that's probably the hardest part as well as getting yourself to sign up for the test. Once you're there, just focus. You know you can do this. Like like I even said, if you can read and click a button, you're going to pass. You just can't let anything else get in your way and get into the mindset that you can't pass it. Awesome. All right. That's really good. And maybe lastly here, um, you know, we, uh, we often find <clears throat> that keeping up your morale, sometimes, you know, you fail one um, uh, and uh, uh, you kind of get your morale down. Um, can each of you walk through an experience? I think maybe all of you had one. I know I did. Um, uh, um, how did you, what are, maybe we'll start with you, Stephanie. You're still, your mic is still live here. What are some suggestions for keeping your morale up during the process and how do you maybe deal with uh, failing an exam? Yeah, I would say uh, just if you can have like your own self-reward system in place, you know, whatever you love to do, make sure you get to reward yourself with that. Uh, whether it's, you know, you want to go buy a new pair of shoes every time you pass an exam or or if you're into video games, go play a new game or buy one, you know, really reward yourself for going through the process. And uh, I know after I believe mine was BDCS was just my brain was done after that exam. It was really tough. And I would just go drive to the nearest Sonic and get myself a nice Oreo milkshake and let things, <laughs> awesome. uh, you know, work out after I had my milkshake. That's awesome. Ivan, how about you? Yeah, um, I think failure is is just a part of growing um for me so although like i would say like when i was younger i had like more of a fear of it but i'm, I'm not really afraid of it anymore because you you kind of learn from it um so on the exam that i failed um basically i you know they're tricky like when you fail like then they tell you oh yeah you did excellent on these things and you failed them yet or whatever so once they did that like i kind of you use it as a learning tool. This is where I need to focus my efforts, right? Um, you know, I'm good on, on the multiple choice and let me just practice this more and realize that I can't start a vignette over because I think I did something wrong. It's really like using it as that teaching tool in that teachable moment um, and allow yourself to feel what you feel. Like just because we like we're in this culture now where we kind of celebrate failure doesn't mean that failure is necessarily all good allow yourself to feel what you feel you know be sad about it beat yourself up about it but use that as a motivation tool you know get back up and try it again um, and learn from it awesome so learning tool i think uh think of the exam as a learning tool mike talks about that a lot um um the idea that um 
actually probably the best way to study for the exam is to just take it. So if you think if you sort of take that mindset that by going through the experience of taking the exam, maybe you'll pass. And if you don't, well, you just went through the best you know experience in preparing to pass the exam. Um, so I feel like that's uh, sometimes kind of useful. So that's great, Ivan. Uh, Anne, how about you? Yeah, so I was studying and taking my exams um, long distance. My best friend from graduate school and undergrad, she's in Minneapolis. We, we started taking our exams at the same time, and she passed every single one. She didn't fail a single one. I failed three. Um, and every time that she would pass and I would fail, I felt awful. But knowing myself going into the process, I knew that I would let my own thoughts dictate my future. So for example, I failed CDS I knew, and that was my first one. I knew that if I failed that first one, I wouldn't have, I would dwell on the fact that this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not cut out for this. So I, I, that's, I scheduled my next exam the night before I took CDS. So that was ultimately how, that was my fail proof system to prevent failure from dictating my future. Um, and it, it really was just a matter of I felt terrible for um, the weekend or the few days after, but then I realized, okay, we have three weeks till the next one, so it's time to move on. And there's no dilly dallying in your and feeling sorry about it. So that's how I did it. Yeah, that's awesome. I bet I bet that after you did that, it started to take pressure off of you a little bit as you kind of went along. Whereas probably in the beginning, you're like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm yep. going to schedule this exam. I really don't know. But by the time you got to the third or the fourth one, you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm scheduling yep. it. That's what I normally do. Yep, exactly. Hmm. That's awesome. All right. Um, really good, guys. Um, anyone have any other? Um, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, and I know it's not written here, but um, Stephanie said Oreo milkshake is her favorite kind of reward. Ivan, um, I'd love to know. Uh, what your favorite uh, reward was for yourself um, as you went through the process? Oh, man. Um, so um, I guess I'm just, I, I am rewarded by like passing it. <laughs> I didn't like treat myself because that meant if I failed something, I wouldn't treat myself. I'd be punishing myself. So I didn't yeah. take that approach at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I probably, I rewarded myself for studying. Um, and you know in the question about studying that that's kind of what i was talking about like i would just sit down and play like like fifa all day and just like like win the world cup like four times or something like it's <laughs> just like just like some mindless activity you know which is totally irresponsible but again like i'm rewarding myself for actually doing the work before the exam and not necessarily dictating you know my reward on whether or not i pass yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, Anne, how about you? Yeah, I was similar. I never, I didn't celebrate afterwards or after I got the results, but I always, the day the day of the exam, I would go to a Panera next to the testing center and I would eat a sugar cookie and it changed every month. Um, but it was a very specific, they're iced sugar cookies, which are delicious. And that's the only time I would eat them. And then I would take... <laughs> I would take my exam usually from, you know, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or something, and I would go home and I would sleep the rest of the day because <laughs> napping is one of my favorite things ever. So 
uh, similar to video games, but I would eat sugar cookies and take naps. And it, it all happened, it all happened the day that I studied and took the exam, not after I got my, my uh, verdict, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did awesome. anyone else wear the same clothes every exam? <laughs> like, no. I had such a ritual. <laughs> I wore the exact same sweater, jeans, <laughs> like everything, the, the exact same. So I knew I was comfortable in that, and I didn't change it. So I would just wear it every time. <laughs> they knew me <laughs> at part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ivan, I did the same thing. After I failed my first exam, I happened to pass it the next time, and that became my lucky shirt once I, you know, <laughs> passed that retake. So it was the same shirt every time. Yeah, they were like, you're the guy in the blue sweater. You're taking the ARE. I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so I think, we, guys, we need to rename this, this, uh, <clears throat> this episode here. Milkshakes, cookies, naps. Uh, video games and lucky shirts or something uh-huh. like that. And sweatbands, I guess that's another one. Sweatbands, yeah, that's yeah. important. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Uh, well, thank you here. Um, uh, we're a little short on time here, and I think most of the questions that have been that have come through here uh, we have addressed. Um, and so some really great comments. Um, but, yeah, we've we've actually knocked all of them off the list. So I think what that means is that we're in, in good shape right now. And I just want to say thank you to Ivan, Stephanie, Jason, and Anne. I really appreciate you guys sharing your stories and your thoughts. Congratulations, of course, on getting licensed. Um, and, of course, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, if you'd like to attend our next ARE live broadcast, uh, where we're going to have a discussion about um, ARE 4.0 programming, planning, and practice, um, and we'll do that through a mock exam. You can go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to register. And just like today's episode, you'll have a chance to ask questions and share your thoughts with Mike uh, and myself for live feedback during the broadcast. For those of you who are ready to start preparing for the ARE right now, and if you're already an AIA member, uh, you can use the coupon code NAH110717 PC to get a 15% discount for the entire duration of your ARE exam prep membership. And then finally, uh, tomorrow we'll send all of you guys an email follow-up about today's live broadcast. So please let us know what you think and share any suggestions that you may have. Um, We totally read everything that you guys write and we use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for tuning in. 